Welcome to my basement, everybody. Oh, my God. Hello. Good morning. Why must you yell like that? I don't feel well. Have you had your sip of coffee? I did have coffee a little while ago. Oh, okay. I, uh, I took a trip last weekend. I did not go to Fan Expo. I want to hear all about that in just a second. But yeah. I went home to visit my family. Yeah. And I was really blown away by the uh, saturation point of Minecraft in my niece's lives. Yeah. Especially my eight-year-old niece. She cannot stop playing that game but on the flight on the way back as usual i got a little bit uh, headachey i feel a little run down i guess i'm kind of jet lagged you, you, i don't travel as well as you, i used to and we are going to go to japan soon for the tokyo game show how am i going to survive a 10-hour flight crammed oh, into coach we've got a montreal trip in there before i got then. Uh, you know those seats they're designed for people who are about five seven yeah for like Brianna's size. Right? I think you have Kingdom Rush-itis and is what you have. You played too much Kingdom I Rush. I did play too much Kingdom Rush. And it Maybe has completely screwed up your brain and your head and it's made your nose drip. You know, I, it's, I, a, it's a known condition. Well, I, you know, I had one of those gaming moments. And tell me if you've had one of these before when yeah. you realize that uh, you've overindulged. Too much, yes. Too much and your yeah. eyes start to cross and you feel terrible about yourself. And it's the same feeling you have uh, when you jerk off and eat too much ice cream. Okay. All it's right. the same kind okay. of... It's the same thing, kind of. Thanks for the clarity. That's you, awesome. You're not, you're not on board with What an metaphor. excellent image that is. That's, a, uh, you're I welcome. haven't done it, but I've heard that. You're that, welcome, everybody. That you feel terrible. You are welcome. Or if you eat a whole bag of ketchup chips. Okay. It's that same kind. You just no, do that's, too much. That's indoctrination in Canada. You have to eat a whole bag of ketchup chips. Well, you, that's, that's, that's what part you have to of, do. Right, in order to become and a you, citizen. And you have a Slurpee and uh, You have Tim to know Horton's all the words to O Canada. Yeah, absolutely. You have to be able to name every member of last year's Olympic hockey team. You have to make friends with a beaver. <laughs> and then you're good. You're, you're, you're on fire today. So let's go back and backtrack and, and tell me all about what did I miss at Fan Expo? Tell me how awesome it was. Well, I gotta tell, tell me you, all the memories. It was my best trip to Fan Expo ever. Oh, you're an asshole. <laughs> I'm sorry. It was the, fucking dick. the weather was fantastic. And uh, it was, I just, I just felt like people right off the, when I got off the plane, people were just so welcoming and friendly and super nice to me. And, and uh, you know, it's it's always like that when we go because we have a lot of viewers that uh, go to the expo, and a lot of them live in Ontario, and it's just really, really pleasant and and. All right, stop with the superlatives. Give me you some know, but, stories. But okay, so you, I, I met uh, Billy Dello. I'm giving him a shout out, and right. uh, apparently he listens to the podcast uh, with Hello, some Billy. waterproof headphones that his uh, girlfriend or his wife. I'm not sure what their relationship. Why is. Why does he need waterproof? Well, he headphones. listens in the pool. So right now, That's creepy. What what ear am I in, Josh? What ear is this? I'm on the left side. I'm in your left ear in the pool, Billy. Hello, Billy. I'm in your right ear. Hello, in the pool. Billy. We're alone. Don't drown. Pool. He might be. He might Billy, be laughing swimming. right now. <laughs> Swim towards the light, Billy. <laughs> keep swimming. So, so he was. He was really cool to That's see him. Weird. And Billy, Billy's a funny guy. No, okay. he's awesome. All right, Super, so you saw Billy. He want, he's a cop, and he wants us to go on a ride along in, in Toronto. That. And I don't uh, want that. He says things get hairy. He uh, he likes that uh, Jake Gyllenhaal movie with uh, Michael Pena. End of Watch. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Super super good, cool yeah. movie. Why don't we do that? We'll ride around. We'll shoot reviews in the back seat of a he cop car. He says it's like that. He says it's like uh, like that Watch End of Watch movie, man. Right, which I haven't is, seen it yet. That's 
It's on my stuff. Netflix. List. Anyways, he he was he was cool, but I was okay. meeting people on the street. I was staying in uh, the Fairmont Hotel. I oh, Mister Fancy with well, James Cameron's suite up no, top the, with his helicopter pad on the Fan roof of the pool. Made me a, a, a real guest this year. You know that was part of it. Is that they uh, they did you sign they, with Lou Ferrigno? I did not sign with Lou Ferrigno. But I did have brunch with Sam Witwer and Billy Campbell, which was pretty oh, cool. Oh, Mr. Big Shot I at the Fairmont and everything. I had the and, and Starkiller <laughs> talking about stuff together. It was really cool. And Jimmy Olsen was there, Sam, Sam Hutchinson, who's uh, uh, Witwer's co-star on Being Human. And that was, that was awesome. Um, you know, and so I saw Sean's uh, uh, Nerd no- Noise Night party okay. and that was incredible i was really blown away by sean incredible and blown away i yep, really was i yep. really was man like it was such you gotta a get you some new adjectives uh, the word burglar was out there doing a bunch of uh, uh great rhymes and it was super fun and i you know, watching like the wolverine with his claws in the air having a great time and dancing and then uh there was a guy uh, dressed as ash with his chainsaw and he was out there having a great time it sounds terrible it was so cool and I'm and so sean was walking there. around with his uh his uh transformers uh rumble costume and stopping traffic all over the place great and he was cool and and sam marissa and, and raju and steven hanging out with those guys was was terrific Did you do any swinging out there uh swinging yeah uh what do you mean well, you know, partner swapping. No, we did not. All right, let's keep. <laughs> is that is that? Uh, That's what I do. Is when that I go what to you Toronto. did when yeah, you went back? Okay. I live it up. All right. No, uh, you know, I was meeting people in in the hotel. I was meeting people all around the show floor. I, you know. All right. It, it was, it was just one great experience after another. A lot of people came to the uh, to the panel that we gave. What was your panel? What was the? Premise? It was it was kind of like well, the first point of uh, discussion was Ben Affleck because that news dropped the day before. Uh, Fan Expo started, so everybody wanted to know, and everybody wanted to talk about Ben Affleck as Batman. So that was that took up 20 minutes of our panel right there, uh, and then what we talked. The panel? To, what was it? Was it a, there a premise behind it? it no, we just had a bunch of topics. It was kind of like it was kind of like our was, podcast. Was in this a way. the one with Sid Bolton? No, we weren't able to put another one on because they were too busy at Fan Expo this Ooh. year. I asked, I wanted to do another panel, uh, but we couldn't do one. So okay. we only had the one on the Friday. But all, you know, all of our Toronto people were there, and and. Uh, uh, people had questions for us. We talked about what's coming up next gen wise and the new machines and the new games. And, uh, you know, everybody complained about being so busy playing video games, oh, which, Jesus. you know, wow, wow, wow. Nobody cares about well, our problems. Listen, let's get to the most important part. Yeah. Did people ask where I was? Everybody wanted to know where you were. People were missing and you. Then, did they? Did more people want to know where Tommy was or did they more uh, people want yes. to know where I was? Yeah, truthfully, yeah. More people <laughs> asking about Tommy than you. <laughs> the legacy uh, of Tellerico. Damn it. Is Tommy here? Yeah, where's Tommy? I've been watching since the Tommy days. I only had one guy ask me when I was going to retire, which oh, was yeah. which was nice. Yeah. yeah. What else, I love what, your show. When are you going to retire? Yeah, are you about done? What? Yeah. Uh, wrap it up there, Lucas. Yeah, well, so uh, what was the weirdest question you got? Did you get any weird questions? Um, not really. No. Yeah. No weird observations? What about weird fan stuff? art or anything uh boy this is really a rich podcast no nobody everybody was really salient details no everybody was really cool and nice and and uh i i did get some art i got lots of photos with different people i saw somebody had a t-shirt that had the uh 
it was the uh, Contra guys, but it had your face and my yeah, face. Yeah, that was it. weird, but also awesome. That was awesome. Yeah, I, I, put, I put it on my uh, Instagram, so if you're following me on Twitter, you can see that picture. It's actually, yeah, I put it on Facebook as well. It's crazy. What a, what a totally cool artistic way to do that. And I, other people were printing up photos and stuff that we have like on our press site and stuff and having us sign them and everything. A lot of people were missing everybody. People were asking about Foobs and Ben and, uh, and Miri and Ben. You know, it, it, it was kind of... A little, you know, too bad that we didn't have everybody this year. I was certainly missing everybody. But at the same time, I, f I think that it's kind of a cool thing to create uh, the desire for everybody to come back next year, you know, and have people miss us a little bit. I feel like there was a big party going on. There was a party, yeah. That I wasn't invited to. Well, that party and you know, was... nothing makes me more upset. <laughs> I like getting invited. I, I don't got... like to go necessarily, but I like getting the invitation. I have to tell you that the party at Fed Expo is Nerd Noise Night, and it needs to be bigger. And Sean and his friends have done an amazing job at collecting enthusiasm and giving something back, and it's a great capper for the, for the evening. You know, like it's just a really fun way to celebrate and and uh you know rock out and dance and right. everybody was having a blast it was such a I, I can't tell you the waves of pride that i felt for my colleague when he he puts on something like that because i know what it's like we put on the shows and we put on the the cvas and it, you know sometimes it's tough to rally people's enthusiasm to get them out to support stuff like this yeah and he has done it he knocked yeah. my socks off billy campbell was actually there to introduce his band and everything he got up on stage and and uh, was rousing the crowd and all that stuff. It's it's just so cool, you know. Mm -hmm. Next year, I think it's got to be twice as big, and, mm. and we all got to go. And it's, it's my sling blade thing. But the whole weekend was just great. Mm. The weather yeah. was perfect. Glad you had a great time. Yeah, I really did. It's oh, wonderful and, and, to you hear. You know, and a, another big part of it was that we didn't have our own booth this year, but EB Games was really cool with uh, putting uh, us up at their what booth. Is, now, what is EB Games? I've never heard of this company. Well, that's GameStop in the States. Okay. And they tried to do the GameStop kind of brand up here in Canada, but we've known uh, Electronics Boutique and EB Games forever in, in this country, and GameStop was a new thing. So uh, they reverted and, and have stayed with EB Games as the as the brand. The parent company is GameStop in the States, but the, uh, the Canadian division is EB Games. What's the weirdest thing you signed when you were there? Um, you sign any babies? No, no babies. Did you sign any... Uh, no, no, no body parts. Butts? No butts. It was pretty, it was pretty straightforward. I guess I signed somebody's t-shirt. Signing t-shirts are always weird when you're on somebody's, yeah. some dude's chest and you're trying to draw your, you know, a little bat symbol and sign your name. It's always a little bit tricky, but no, people were, uh, I, you know, it was pretty, it was pretty, I think things get weird when you're there is what happens. I think the body parts start coming out when you're there. Did you do any swinging? No, I did oh, not I asked do any that swinging. Already. I, I asked was, that already. That's your go-to question. I asked that. We always have to cut that out of his interviews when he's out talking to cele <laughs> celebrities and game well, developers. Well, you know, you just have to ask. You have to see how people respond and what their comfort level is. <laughs> did you so, do any swinging? I'm glad it was fun. Yeah, it was really great, man. fucking glad that all you guys had a great time. It was really great. We did you miss assholes. you. Marissa brought all kinds of awesome big goods. She's, yeah, she's so cool. It's one of her many superpowers. Yes, yeah, it was it was super fun. So man. you're back, and we have a couple more trips coming up. We are doing a couple of ninja trips and secret trips, and yep. we're going to Montreal, which is one of the great cities of the world, cosmopolitan. Yep, and uh, people like to swing there. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna see some really 
freaking cool stuff when we go out there. But then we go to Tokyo, and yes, we're not we going for one day. We're not going for two days. We're going for 10 days. That's right. So I'm a little worried about myself. Usually my maximum in Tokyo is about four days before I start to lose my shit. And so we're going for a full 10 days. We're going to get a, a cultural dunk, man. We're going to see a lot of cool stuff. I feel stuff like we this, should be in some trip. Japanese immersion course right now. We should be learning the language. Ah, uh, We've been there enough. It's going to be super fun. We're working on a documentary, which we probably can't talk about too much right now. But no, we're, uh, but it's about new, swinging in Tokyo. It's about swinging in Tokyo. It's, it's Scott Jones' dream job. He's uh, wanted to do this forever. It's fun. It's going to be exciting. I be, I need a house sitter, though, for the month of September. Somebody who's comfortable working with cats. I, like the 80 cats that you have? I just have two the cats. The cat hotel that you run? <laughs> well, you know, I could either get a, sit, a cat sitter. Yeah. And I, I had to get one over the weekend. Or... Uh, or I could get somebody to house sit for me. You need we're going to be away for most of this month. We're going to be on the road. We're going to need concert t-shirts. I know, right? All the cities that we're going to along the way. I know. It's exciting. It's going to be fun. And I think we're off to New York next month, too. All so. right. So, uh, so you're on the road, and you know what I was playing when I was traveling. Yep. Too much Kingdom Rush. Yep. Seriously. I know, man. And what about you? I didn't even turn Kingdom Rush on because I know what that pull is. I... Uh, I I kept to my word, and I played the Vita. I was playing um, mm -hmm. Gravity Rush more, and I love that damn game. Uh -huh. And uh, Guacamelee, I got right into that. And that mm. is just loaded with all kinds of great little secrets, and I love the music and, mm -hmm. the, uh, and the vibe of it. Um, and I uh, played a little bit more Rayman Origins in anticipation mm. of Rayman Legends. It's great on the Vita, actually, the, uh, the Rayman Origins. You're like one of these ADD gamers. I sit next to you sometimes where you're just like, two minutes of this, three minutes of this, four minutes of this, two well, minutes of that. I like to touch and try everything. That's why I kind of stayed away from Kingdom Rush, because it would occupy your whole flight, and you don't try anything else, and then you get a headache, and you get, and you get the sickness afterwards. And you're cranky for a week. That's right. So, uh, you know, I, I took the Vita home with me, specifically to play guacamole because a lot of people have been uh, on the on twitter telling me that this is a great game it needs more love and more attention yep yes it does so the vita basically flew three thousand miles with me to new york state and flew back <laughs> another three thousand miles six thousand mile trip there for the vita didn't even turn it on once do you think if you had the Nintendo 2DS that that would be turned on once or twice? Mm, what do you think about this thing? I don't. I'm. I'm. I, I, you know, I can't help but think about uh, Apple yeah. and the terrific job that they do when they say, "Okay, this is the one best version of this. Right. This is all you need. Right. This one fucking thing." And and Nintendo now. We all, I mean, in some ways, it's... Because uh, they still have their DS business as well, right? Yeah, they still they're, still sell the making, they're making yeah. all these different SKUs yeah. of, of the DS, and, and it's well, confusing. Uh, and, you know, I, I, mean, I, I have got a, the iPod Touch and the iPad Mini and the iPad and the, and the iPhone. I guess that's true. You but I, I have a drawer that is filled with DSs. Yeah. Like, I probably have eight DSs in there. There's the XL and, the, you know, like, just this, it's like a graveyard of DSs. Right. And I don't even know where the chargers are for most of them. I don't, you know, there's like a, a ghost that now rises up, rises out of the DS graveyard every night, has yeah. chains around it, <laughs> walks around the graveyard, <laughs> scares, carrying away some meddling kids, you know. So I, I don't know if I need another one of these, you know. And I, I also, I've always been very fond of the clamshell design ever since the Game Boy Advance. Remember when they came right, out with yeah, that yeah, one that yeah. opened like this? Yeah. Just like my ex-wife's legs yeah, once okay, a year. Yeah, I like that motion you're making. 
That's fantastic. Perfect for an audio podcast, by the way. Well, you know, so I have, you know, and now they just have Please these. Please don't screens. mention clamshell and your wife in the same. <laughs> My ex-wife. Your ex-wife. Okay. So you know, now they the the screens are just out there. Yeah, they're out there. Yeah. What's going to happen to Free those in screens? The they're in the wind. Well, yeah, they're, you like don't the get to Vita close screen. them up. It's just like the Vita screen and the iPhone screen. Look, they're saving money by not having a hinge on the damn thing. What the you fuck know? do you need? And, and this is, you're right. You said this the other day, and I couldn't believe it. It's the most cynical thing I've heard you say in eight years that yeah. we've been friends and colleagues. You said, well, that's it for 3DS. That's it for 3D. 3D, 3D gaming did not work. I right? think so. I think that's part of the message there, isn't it? I that's think that, it. that is the, uh, it was you know, a dumb idea. The uh, polite walk back from. The attempt of 3D, <laughs> right. like you know? a, you're like whistling as you leave the crime scene, you know. <laughs> you know, but you know what? What's kind of tragic about it is that the 3DS, for all intents and purposes, was one of the best, you know, you, sort of displays of 3D that we had seen across most media. Yeah, as it long would as actually you hold it perfectly. You did still, have to do that for sure, but it which worked. Is crazy. What, it worked, which was insane. It like, worked. I do remember being at E3 and seeing it work for the first time. Like, and thinking, how is this possible? Thinking I was holding a little piece of magic in yeah, my hands, yeah. and I haven't felt that way since I was 12. I know. It was really cool. I, you know I what I mean? When I was 12, when I first discovered my body? Yeah. When you touched yourself. <laughs> Sorry. I remember. This, uh, I'm just I, angry today that I didn't get to go to Toronto. I know, that's you're all. just letting it all out, man. Yeah, I am. Did you swing? No, but uh, <laughs> I remember at that E3 where the 3DS was out there, and Reggie was uh, walking around as we as oh, journalists Reggie. were playing the thing, and yeah, he was James really, Cameron and Reggie. And, well, he was really. I don't, I don't want to say gloating, but he was happy because he yeah. could tell that we were all like, "Wow, this really works." I just picture you him know, now, the, though, in the wake of the sort of disastrous Wii U performance so far being yeah. in the basement at Miyamoto's house just strapped to a chair and being tortured like, <laughs> that's, that's like in a scene from 24 or Homeland yeah. <laughs> like he's just down there he's no I don't I don't know if, I mean I honestly the games that people want from Nintendo they're coming now you know like, like this what? this this uh, Zelda package and bundle and who the, the fuck wants that the I played this price. fucking game uh, 10 years ago people that didn't play it 10 years ago well they were assholes like Nintendo that bought a Wii that didn't buy Ooh, the game better cube. get the Wind Waker special you know edition what you know what HD. is weird with Nintendo though it's like they have this uh, it's like this weird uh, chart it's like this up and down sort of stock price thing with who buys consoles and who doesn't, you know? Like it's like they have a hit console then they 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 drop it's for all, a bit and they have a, the a hit console then they drop for a bit. I mean the, and I okay, think there's a lot of people back. that never bought the GameCube. The original the original Nintendo was awesome. Super Nintendo as a follow-up was awesome. Yeah. 64. Awesome. Step sideways, kind of. No way. Wasn't really? great. Come yeah. on. Look the, at the software for that. Their there software, was some great stuff. Their software was ridiculous. There was some great stuff. Yeah, for, I love the N64. But I don't love the 64 as much as I love the two previous consoles. Now, the GameCube sure. came next. Yeah. And that was also kind of a step. It wasn't. It wasn't great. It was cute. I loved it. Like I bought it. This yeah. was before I was even in the business. Yeah. And then, uh, but that was their big mistake. Was with the mini discs separating themselves so dramatically from the rest of the industry. Yeah, they were yeah. saying games are still for kids. Well, they, they had done they that. Made with it all. All of these things. You know, all the. I remember all the neon colors that the it, fucking thing came in, and it had a handle on it, and it was so cute. And yeah. Well, they the had done that a little bit with cute. sticking with cartridges on the N64 as well. Though. Yeah, they're stubborn. 
Well, they, they like, they're in the Nintendo business, you know? They're not in the video game business, let's all hold hands, kumbaya. They're in their business, you know? They, they know what... It gets trouble. That, it does, it, you know, time and again, you know, because it pisses off their partners and, and uh, uh, you know, a lot of the, the fans that only buy that machine start to feel like there isn't enough software coming out for it. But then somehow, magically, no matter whenever, you know, whenever you count them out, like the 3DS, we didn't expect this thing to be so successful. It's it's having one of the best years of any handheld right now, and the software is incredible right know, now for this machine. What are you playing on it? What are you playing on it? Well, they've had a ton of good hits this you year. Can't think of any. Yeah, all you Luigi's, can think of is Luigi's Mansion. Mansion. And, I knew that's all you're going to say. Animal Crossing and uh, uh, you know Mario and Luigi Dream Team and and yeah, there's lots of eShop titles that have been playing. Fourteen, it's fun. No, come on. There's lots of good games for the ah. machine. Tons. I, I love the 3DS. I love my 3DS XL. I love I love having those things. But honestly, if we're going to be honest here on the show, I haven't turned them on in months. I don't yeah. even know where they are. Well, I don't even know what the charge you know, Part of it is. is Team Lustrous is reviewing most of those games for for us right now, too. But, there's nothing, but if there was something that I really wanted to play, you'd, it wouldn't matter. You'd make it happen. I would make it happen. Yeah, but Kingdom Rush is out there, and you've played The Last of Us. The Last of Us and we've done we've done fifty million and we've done fifty million top one hundred shoots as well. So, I listen. The three DS is having a killer year. There's a lot of what, good software. What do you for feel it. about the two D? I want the two DS. I want it, but I know that I'm just going to go in the fucking graveyard. Here's what I, here's what I feel about it, and I don't know what the memory is, but that would have been where I would have spent the money. The uh, the um, built in RAM for downloading stuff. You know, the ability to store eShop purchases would have been where I would have made that value. Mm -hmm. But it's going to come out at a pretty low price point. I think it's like 130 bucks, And it's going to have all of the functionality of the 3DS so you can get online. It's not like the neutered uh, Wii Mini or anything like that. Um, but it's going to be uh, like a point of purchase kind of decision. It's going to, you know, have the new look to it, which I think consumers always dig something that looks different than everything else, even if it's less functional. Um, but Nintendo doesn't usually make stuff that that is uncomfortable, you know, or that that doesn't function well. I think it's still no, going to. I think it's still going to work well. Um, there's just but no I think more more kids are going to get this. I think this is going to be the entry level, uh, you know, Nintendo handheld purchase this holiday. I think people are going to go. Ah, oh, well, even if people have the 3DS, they're going to get this. And the other thing is, the 3DS had this uh, barrier to entry because you can't give a kid a 3d game it's not good for kids under a certain age but now that this is only a 2d device it's like well here you go four-year-old nephew that doesn't have a game system right now this is you're going to play every ds game and every 3ds game and all the eShop stuff that's pretty cool mm, i think everybody who wanted a ds has one i don't think there's any reason i don't think that there's a big pool of applicants that haven't been satisfied that's that's my feeling. I think the price is low enough that it it's. I mean, that's one of the things with video games, right? Like when you have specific devices now that just do this, and they're competing against. You were saying this yesterday about your iPad Mini, how it's got your Netflix on there, it's got your Twitter, and it's got all the game. It's like this yeah. little all-in-one bundle. When you're competing against those kinds of devices, and you're really just a game-playing thing. You've got to come in at a price that becomes an irrefutable decision. Just like, oh, this is so affordable, I'm doing it. You know, this but is still, a cool little about, gift, a cool gadget gift from a tr like a trusted name brand for not that much dough. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's going to succeed. 
Uh, I think it's going to be like that red Wii that nobody bought. Oh, it's it'll be much better than that. I mean, it's a better nah. machine than that, and it's thirty dollars. You know, more than that. It's a more powerful piece of hardware than that thing is. I want it because I already have room for it in my graveyard. It'll go right in there. It'll be lovely in there. And, and, and yeah, maybe there are four-year-olds who this would be a great gift for. I, I don't know. But I'm, I can only, I, you know, I'm not speculating on the market and success of it. I'm just saying from a personal standpoint, I want it. Yeah. I have no fucking Because we have Nintendo collection genes But I think most gamers do already. Yeah, I know. Most, ga- most gamers already own a whole bunch of these things. I mean, they it is the metagame of... of of gaming is the collecting of all the ways that you can game on even if you never use them like i bought that snk uh neo geo limited edition thing for 200 dollars with it which has which has the handheld thing that you can pull out and then you've got the big size controller i played it once when we reviewed it and it's been in the in the closet the entire time yeah but so, I, I like the collection of all that stuff so let's uh let's talk about movies really quickly yeah and uh uh i think we saw the worst movie of the year it was pretty bad. I was, was, I was really, remembering the roommate, and right. I was thinking of the roommate too. And I think this is just about as bad as that. No oh cats my. get killed or anything like that in this just movie. Just unwatchable. We're talking about Getaway, yeah. and uh, this is from director Courtney Sullivan, stars Ethan Hawke, and uh, Ethan Hawke who needs a slap. Disney beauty at this point. He needs, he needs somebody needs to wake him up, shake him up, and I think it should be Nicolas Cage. I think Nicolas Cage should go over to Ethan Hawke's place. And just start beating him around and say, don't turn into me. No, Nicolas Cage likes being himself, I'm sure. Yeah, it's true. That's a good point. I think he's had a lot of fun. But, you know, that's the problem with this movie. Ethan Hawke looks like he's having no fun at all. Nicolas Cage, even in the worst movie, with his weird wigs and everything on sideways, he looks like he's having a good time. Ethan Hawke looks fucking miserable. Like, I'm beneath this material. I have no energy for this. I have no zest for this. Or this material's beneath him, you mean? Yeah, didn't I say that? You said I'm beneath this I don't material. feel well, Vic. No, I hear you. Uh, you know what I meant. Well, the material is beneath him, but I think there there must be something up with Ethan Hawke because he is in a lot of junk right now. How I, the fuck do you make this, though? I don't know. This is Warner like, Brothers. We went to a screening last night. They invited us to the screening, and we sat there with our fucking jaws hanging open. I saw, I've never seen you attack a bag of popcorn with more vigor than you did last night. You were eating It was like the only demon. thing keeping me awake, like, oh, man. Oh, oh. And then at the end, you angrily wadded up your bag and threw it on the floor and then nodded off. <laughs> Get away. 10 out of 10. <laughs> oh, God, it was so pitiful. I, I, and I looked around at the audience, too. I think oh, everybody, everybody was, was just dumbstruck. It was just like, what? It was really like someone had a dead fish and they were beating us across the face with it, you know? Mm, it was nice. just like, pff, yeah. pff, pff, pff. <laughs> just take that, you know? <laughs> it, was just, it was so stupid. It was just one dumb car crash after another and nothing made sense at all. It was but just, I, kept, I kept thinking about, like what? What a just colossal waste we were looking at. Because like, don't, the don't show, people watch dailies anymore? Don't sh- people like look at other movies and things? But and, the shows that we make here, yeah. EP Daily and Reviews on the Run. In case you're just tuning in, those are the TV shows we make. We could make a billion episodes <laughs> for the price of one of those car crashes, I know, probably. Right. And they were just crashing cars all over the place. Our grandchildren Without could its- work on these shows. If the we movies could build like the space station and <laughs> shoot the show a... there, 
with the money they spent on one of the car crashes in this fucking movie. And there was not one. There's not one ounce of self awareness in this thing. I, I mean, think back to the Blues Brothers movie that John that John Landis totally. directed when they had that that self self aware car crash where the cop cars just kept piling up. That was it's hilarious. Like, Are you guys fucking stupid? Did you yeah. never see that movie? I know. What a bunch of assholes made this movie. Uh, I know, man. It's it, it, it honestly is. I thought it would be I, you know what fun. I, I think what it is is that the, there is this recurring sort of new blood that comes into Hollywood, and they just completely write off Don't they go the to history. Film school? They write it off, you know. And, and part of it is that all a lot of these decisions are just made on what the financial return is going to be on these things, and it's just an uh, you know it's just an equation. It's not a, right. a it's not Selena a creative Gomez, discussion. Plus, yeah. plus Ethan Hawke, plus car crashes, crashes, plus Europe, yeah. plus John Voight. Green light. Totally. Plus European money on, on the financing. They shot it in Bulgaria, it looks like. And boom, it happens. And then it's some piece of shit. And they've already sort of figured out what the, the uh, video returns are going to be and how many plays it'll have in television. Yeah, and like what, in what, hotel rooms, bored people, yeah, get tired of watching yeah, what, porno, what they'll the, turn uh, that on for 1495. What the Taiwanese box office is going to be on something like this. And Bullshit. It really is because what we're getting fed summer. this really cynical awful garbage this a, this stuff that just keeps you know ethan ethan hawk uh, paying you know payments on his mansion or something and it's just a it's an insult to everything that cinema has built all you summer know? long we've been eating bowls of shit and then we get to the bottom of the bowl of shit and guess what we find the yeah. worst kind of shit cat shit as you have established yeah. on the show before yeah so at the bottom of the bowl of shit that was this summer is this movie and yeah. it is cat shit it is cat shit man yeah, nothing worse stunk. than cat shit and it put me to sleep yeah it you did. got caught up on your sleep though you look well rested today I should have nodded off too I'm like well when, it's funny because when we see a movie and one of us nods off the other one's like well I guess I have to watch this now and tell them what happens <laughs> That's how it works. <laughs> hey, let's let's go back to talking about video games. If we started what? to go off on this uh, tactic uh, or, or on this tack of uh, talking about collectible uh, old games and consoles, and I, I know we have a friend that can speak to that in a big way. Oh yeah, his name is Mr. Mike Micah. Let's welcome him to the basement. Absolutely, Victor Lucas. We are not alone down here in the basement today. We've got a special guest in the form of Mike Micah. He is the chief creative officer at Other Ocean Inter active mm -hmm. and uh, if the name sounds familiar that's because uh, well his name's been in the news a lot over the years but most recently he's known as the guy who changed up donkey kong yep. and very much empowered women through his interpretation of donkey kong and he did this in the name of entertaining and teaching his daughter a very valuable life lesson hello, hello mark mike welcome Hello, I'm glad to be here. <laughs> Sorry, like, you know you can call me Mike all you want. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like you might you sound like a Mark to me. I don't know what's wrong. I, I apologize. For you that. know what it is? It's his Please his his his, his, his first name and his last name sound very very similar. Yeah, Mike, lots Micah. of alliteration. Yes. There. So so let's start by talking about this Donkey Kong what, experiment. What was this born out of? Well, first of all, you you fucked it for every dad out there, by the way, and I know you know this already. You yeah, made what are you it very do hard for your daughter. I know Vic. Ruby. Yeah. I'll never be able to program Donkey Kong for her so that she can be in it. But, but I'll call you Mike. Is that okay? <laughs> yeah, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been uh, it's been pretty funny the the number of people who uh, who've written to me or, or called me up on this. And uh, <laughs> one of the funniest ones was the reaction I got from a guy who said like I've tried to graft a horn onto five horses now. And they keep dying. What am I going to do <laughs> on this thing? But uh, yeah, it's it's been fantastic. Who would have thought? I I, I did that thing out of just a, a fun little 
thing for my daughter and uh, was posting it to Facebook and suddenly the thing exploded. It was, it was pretty crazy. Well, I think you tapped into something that people never appreciate around video games. And I think, you know, it's, it's what led you into having a career in games. It's what's led Scott and I to having careers in games. We love this stuff and there's a passion element. Yes. There's a real heart sort of connection to this element that doesn't get talked about enough. It's not just this faddish diversion that we, you know, lose ourselves in. This is really significant chunks of our life that we give to this interactive entertainment. And I think that's what this is about. It's about loving something. And, and I think you have, you know, through this and also through that really cool story of the marriage proposal, which we'll get into a little bit, you know, <laughs> used video games to kind of show your love to people that you care about. I think you're right. I, ever since I was a kid, I, I found at my parents like all these folders of drawings I made in like third grade of sequels to games I really liked or, or original games that I created. And I remember being a kid writing into Activision and sending them all my ideas, and they would write back saying like, "Look, we can't take outside ideas." And then at one point, I think it was it may have been Gary Kitchen or somebody over there at Activision actually personally responded back and kind of critiqued what I had sent in. Wow. So it's like ever since then, I've I've kind of seen the world through video game eyes because that was like. I grew up as the first generation of video gamers, really, and I would interpret everything I, I would see and want to express, and I would do that through video games. That is amazing. That's an, that's an incredible, I can't believe that, uh, like, I'm so <laughs> impressed that you would go through all this trouble to write to these guys because you wanted to get out there and, and have your creative moment and, and make some video games. You know, I, I remember the only guy who I read at that point was a guy who wrote a column for the local newspaper about video games. I sent him a letter yeah. and he never wrote me back. <laughs> so the fact that you heard back from, from Gary Kitchener at, uh, at, uh, at uh, Activision is incredible. Well, that's, it really was, especially after failing so many times to get a real response. That's awesome. And that, you know what, that typifies who you are as well. You know, like I've, I've met a lot of people in the gaming industry and I have a lot of friends across the spectrum and, and uh, you always... You're just such a wonderful person, Mike. Like I always, like honestly, I hate to sound <laughs> so cornwall. Here he comes. But, you know, like you, it on. you, you, you really stuck out for me. Like you, you know, I would come and visit Other Ocean. It was called something else too for a little while. Digital Eclipse, right? Yep, that's correct. Yeah, and I would come and visit you guys, and we talk about games. And stuff. You were always so encouraging and welcoming, and and uh, obviously in love with the life that you were able to lead. Like you had gotten to a part of your life and been able to do something with your life that made you incredibly happy. And I think that's an infectious quality that you have, my friend. Oh, thanks, man. And it, it's true. Like uh, to be able to say you make video games for a living, it's like a lifelong dream for me. Yeah. And uh, every day I kind of wake up and say like, I can't believe I'm doing this. It's like, I feel like I'm just that like eight-year-old still drawing pictures or whatever, and, and it, it's great. Why, why are they great? I want to hear from somebody that loves games as much as Scott and I do. Why are they great? Uh, you know, it challenges me in so many ways. Like, I can create anything with a computer. I can sit down, and any world I dream up, any emotion I want to articulate, like, we're just recently we're kind of experimenting with, can you tell a scary story in a game and be and deliver, like, real true frights with only, like, squares on the screen? Mm -hmm. And that was like a great challenge. And we sat down and for two weeks kind of worked on this thing. And to be able to, to do that and, and put it in front of people and watch people like freak out and, and not wanting to get near the computer because they're scared it just blocks. That is awesome. And, right. and I couldn't get into film. I couldn't get into these other things. So it seems so unachievable. But with a computer, I could do anything. And I had one. 
and now film can't be made without computers, you know, which is which, <laughs> exactly. You know, I, I love what Mike's saying here because I do feel, and it's something that I think a lot of game designers forget these days, is that the, these worlds are limitless. This is a new way to tell stories. This this is a you know we're still experimenting with with trying to figure out the best way to tell stories, or, or maybe they're stories that don't even necessarily make sense. But this is. It's powerful. I mean, it is. You're, you're like a wizard who's discovered your own inner potential, and we're just trying to figure out what to do with these powers. And I love the, I love hearing the excitement in your voice as you're talking about, you know, trying to find the, the, the boundaries or, or what these powers are capable of. It's true. Like, to me, especially now with we've got a next generation of console coming out, we've got all these incredible devices like the iPhone and, the, and Android phones and all that stuff. And it's not like there's ever been any real limitation. I'm, I'm surprised that we haven't gone further with with the things we're making uh, right now. Like, I look at an iPhone and the stuff that's on there, it's great. I love the games and they really excite me, but I feel like we have so much untapped potential. Like, what are we going to really do with that device that has so many features? What kind of entertainment can we deliver there that yes. hasn't been done before? Yes. Yeah. And you know there's a ton of that. You know there's so many brilliant ideas out there ready to happen. Well, and I just can't wait to see those. Well, you're a technical guy now. You know, we still have the PlayStation 3 and the Xbox 360, which are, you know... Powerful. Very powerful machines. And, and you know, I mean, honestly, do, do we need the horsepower of these new consoles? I don't think so. And I think you see that in the design of these consoles. They, they're very welcoming now to letting anybody make games on them. And it's kind of funny. It kind of comes full circle because... When the Apple II came out there, and I had a Commodore 64 growing up. Oh, my God. Like, We're having out of Mike the on box. the podcast every week. <laughs> I love this guy. Well, out of the box, you would be able to make a game. It would say ready, and that ready just kind of it felt like I could do anything after that. It's like, are you ready is what's basically challenging you to do, right? And you could type in anything and create your, your game. And now with these consoles, pretty soon anybody with the next round of consoles will be able to just fire up their compiler and make a game for that console. So it's kind of come full circle. So to me, the the potential now is greater than ever because we have these really powerful machines that aren't um, like inhibited by you know some of the stuff that you have on PC or any of these things where you have to have multiple programs running at the same time, whatever. Now a real gamer can get on a console and make the experience they want to. I play games like Thomas Was Alone, and I'm like, mm. I have more fun playing this than I do some of these $60 titles I played last generation. Wow. It's, it's, it's mind-boggling to me that uh, a one-person team pretty much can can create something like that that's got a, it's rich with emotion and 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 very exciting to play. And we really have come full circle from those days, you know, when you were writing your your fan letters to Activision. I mean, those were one-person teams and two-person teams or three, back then. Maybe, yeah, yeah. yeah. If, if, if you were lucky, you had other people. But uh, but yeah, we've we've you know this is the you know the Brian Provinciano era. You know where you're making Retro City Rampage. You know in a room by yourself for two years. Yeah, and you're you're marketing it yourself, and you have a direct line to the consumer, the person who's going to play your game, and it, it's it's. I use the word consumer. I felt dirty. Yeah. So it's a meeting coming before this where it's like you get into the business talk, but like I can't wait to get that out of the way and just think about like the, all my friends are going to play this game, and all my friends might be thousands of Twitter followers right. or or whatever. It's 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 more intimate now when well, you're making a game. I think what's uh, kind of cool about your perspective on all of this is obviously you were a fan then, you were building stuff then, even as a kid. But you were also playing all of the hot stuff that was out either on console, which would have been the Atari 2600 or the ColecoVision. How are you affording all this stuff? But also the arcade (laughs) stuff. And then you went and you you helped to preserve that through your work at Other Ocean and Digital Eclipse by bringing all of these collector's editions of like Midway Arcade greatest hits and the Konami stuff. How many of those kinds of projects did you work on? 
uh, I can't even, it's been way too many, I can't even count. Uh, that was kind of like a passion of mine, as you can tell, because there were some games that would kind of come back, but if you remember, before uh, MAME or any of these emulations that are out there now, um, people would interpret those games, and yeah. there would always be something wrong with those games. Which is, the, that's the iPhone right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and you would you would play these games. You're like, this isn't right. This doesn't feel right. Doesn't look right. There's something missing or whatever. So there's a, a guy I worked with, Jeff Vavasor, who's up in Vancouver. Awesome uh, coder, and he he helped develop some of the first emulation ever of a video game. Awesome. And um, they were the Williams arcade games. I think it was Joust Defender and Robotron were the first three. Yep. And it was mind-boggling to, to see the game start up and have that carpet sweep initialization that the arcade machines would have. And you knew at that point this thing was simulating everything perfectly. And uh, the the nuance and everything that went into these games that Eugene Jarvis and these guys have just developed in these games that were lacking in all the ports were back. And you realize how brilliant those games were. So for me, as somebody who's really passionate about games and the things I grew up with, but also the history of games, I felt like uh, it was my calling to try to get as many of these classic games on modern platforms as I could so that new gamers could see where it all came from. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that obviously has been adopted, the uh, the mechanics and the language of video games that a lot of those guys, the masters like Eugene Jarvis and Ned Logg, those guys created the way that we, uh, you know, had a connection with computer software and computer gaming software that's being interpreted, you know, now with touchscreens and, and kind of uh, interesting ways, but not always with the same sort of in-depth, you know, fidelity or the, the same kind of richness or the same tactility that we used to have out of those old 80s arcade games. What's missing? Right. It, it, it's, it's funny because if you think about back then, everything, like Robotron, the innovation was two joysticks with yeah. these big joysticks you have in an arcade machine. A lot of people right now are trying to simulate two joysticks on a touch screen, which that's not innovation at all. That's just trying to mimic something that solved a great problem back then. But this new hardware doesn't have that problem. And in fact, it's not even in the same league as that. Yeah. And you've got to find new ways to uh, to create controls or interfaces on, on these touch devices. And I feel a lot of people are really lazy with that. You can't yeah. bring Robotron properly to an iPhone no. without two actual joysticks. Yeah. So it's almost like uh, an effort not worth doing. Um, but well, you know, how much people are trying. You, yeah, how much do you credit, uh, you know, because they're, like, I don't want to be dismissive about uh, Apple or Android development. We love a lot of those games. Like Kingdom Rush is something that comes up. This podcast yeah. could be called Kingdom Rush. <laughs> Brought to you by yeah. Kingdom Rush. But uh, we, you know, obviously play a lot of things that leave us cold because of the touchscreen stuff. How much of it has to do with Apple's ambivalence or, you, you know, the, just their sort of meh attitude about games, it seems. I mean, they always have, when they have their, you know, and I know you have a good friend over there, Matt Casamassina, who, who yeah. is a great guy. They, they always have games up on stage, every one of their keynotes. Every time they bring out a new iPhone or a new iPad, it's like, well, here's how sexy games can look. But they don't, like without controllers, we're not getting what games can be, I think. Uh, you're right. And, you know, the, the guys over at Apple, it's, it's, it's kind of a like if you think about Mac, go back even to the old Mac days, early yeah. Mac days, mm -hmm. uh, games were always an afterthought, if not even a thought at all, on Apple's radar. And it took everybody else from like Bungie and these guys to try to take the platform seriously. And in the early days of the iPhone, uh, Other Ocean was one of the first games uh, shown. Steve Jobs actually. You showed Super Monkey Ball, right? We showed Super Monkey Ball. He was that, on stage with it. That was one of the first games that I went, holy shit, this is a real platform. And it was your game. That's what, did you work on that one too? Yes, that was uh, one of the games that we kind of 
brought over from you know Dreamcast and reinvented for for the iPhone. And, and that was, was a case of great. taking the controls and what it could do, yeah. and remap that to what was special about the iPhone. And but it actually worked better on that than I'd say some of the consoles. Did Steve Jobs actually show the the game off and play the game? He did. He introduced the game, and then we also heard that that was the one game he would play on the iPhone. Oh wow! And uh, we were kind of excited about that. He endorsed it every opportunity he could. That's crazy because he's from games, and maybe this was part of it, right? Like the it, yep. you know Apple sort of you know, fell in line with whatever Steve Jobs was sort of saying from the, from the perch, but he's from Atari. He's he, like, he worked in the video game industry and maybe he, he just got fed up with it. Maybe he saw it as a, uh, uh, you know, uh, something that's sort of taking, cause I think what happened with him and I see this happen with a lot of business leaders, Don Matrick and Alex Garden and stuff is the, the, the game becomes building empires for real, you know, in real life. Yep. And maybe Steve Jobs saw that too. You know, maybe it was more about like his simulation was actually earth. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I do, but I do think some people genuinely just outgrow games. I, I think that happens. Think? I think it's a real thing. Not me, man. Is well, that going to no, happen to you, Of course, Jesus. <laughs> I, I've never heard of these people. Yeah. But, you know, you're, you're right. Actually, I think you're right. Because if you think about the iPhone, and then when games start to take off, I, I left uh, Digital Clips and Backbone for a little while there. Yeah. And uh, I was working at a company to help kick off uh, NG Mocha, oh, it was right. called, which yep. you've probably seen a lot of their games. Sure. And... Um, that, that was like really big discovery day. It was like the pioneering days for us because we could do anything and we didn't really know what the limits were with the iPhone. And the thing that we noticed were the people who were downloading games on the iPhone were latent gamers, people who gave up playing games maybe in the NES era or even the Atari era. They're older now. They're looking for games on their iPhone and they hadn't touched anything in between. Right. And they were coming back to gaming. That's like Farmville players are latent gamers who have been reactivated. And um, you've got Candy Crush players. A majority of them are reactivated players. Hmm. One of my favorite old uh, iPhone games is an NG Moco game called Dropship, which I don't think I'll, enough people were uh, uh, aware of. Did you work on that game? Yes, I produced that game, and we did that with Tim Omernick, who was the engineer on that. We were trying to make uh, a version of Thrust. I love that game, too, because one of the cool things in there, of course, it has like the kind of general like arcade vector look and everything like that, which is yep. cool. But it was also an old-style gameplay based off that old Thrust uh, game, but it, you had these people you'd rescue that were your friends because we'd take the names from your contact list. It was so brilliant, and it, and it used inertia and it used gravity, and it, yeah, it was super cool. Had a little bit of a defender kind of vibe to it yep. as well. It's still on my phone. I've got the the iPhone oh, five. Awesome. I've I've never I've never erased it. Every phone that I've got, I've always <laughs> ported Dropship over to it. I know nobody plays it. I don't, I don't think it was a huge success for you guys, but God, it was so cool. What what happened to NG Moco? So uh, they were acquired by DNA or Dina. Um, okay, yeah. That was after my time. I left there after about a year. And then went back plus. to other ocean. Yeah, we got the band back together. So yep. we were, I was over here doing stuff. And um, they, uh, got, they, they basically pioneered the free-to-play space yep. pretty well. They, they had the uh, We Rule game that came out for a while that was doing extremely well. And a lot of people kind of mimicked that, and it, it kind of took off. And there was also a first-person shooter called Eliminate that they did yep. I was really impressed with that was also one of the first free-to-play games and uh they, they did some great things yeah, I remember and now i mean they're uh, doing awesome stuff now they're working with uh um uh peter molyneux on on i think it's godis is that what's called okay cool i remember Odyssey. sitting with alan Yu in uh, tokyo the last time i was in tokyo and he said w w he was working uh, with ng moko at the time and uh he said we're working on something really cool and he showed me that first person shooter i think it was eliminate, eliminate yeah, yeah. Yep. and uh he said look at this and and uh, i couldn't believe it was running on a phone 
I mean, I still don't think that first-person shooters have any business being on a phone with touchscreen controls. I know Vic will disagree with me. Well, I think it's going to become a moot point. I've got two questions for you, Mike. As a Robotron fanatic, because I know you are, just like me, why the fuck don't we have Robotron on the Vita? <laughs> why? I mean, how That's many? A good you know, we gotta we gotta petition Warner Brothers. They have control of all that now. That belongs on the Vita. I, I mean, can't honestly, believe it's not there. Yeah, that's a perfect handheld game that has never had a perfect handheld to play on. You know, the, and that is the perfect version for it. That's the handheld that we, was meant to play Robotron. And we finally have it, and you can't get that goddamn game. <laughs> I mean, you can get all of these, these you know, distilled versions of Robotron, and there are some good ones, but I want Robotron, man. I want the classic Robotron. Uh, and the second question is, what happens when iOS 7 comes out and the controller, uh, you know, options are becoming available for iOS? Does that change everything for the... Uh, uh, the portable landscape, do you think? I think it really does. I've yep. actually been using the Nexus 7 with uh, like the MOGA controller and some other Bluetooth controllers. Yep. Uh, and having a lot of success with that, it's really fun. I'll go on a trip and I'll just kind of prop it up on the plane and sit there and play Robotron or whatever. And um, it, it's great. And I think now to have that finally for an Apple product without being a, like a gray market kind of workaround, um, it's going to open a lot of doors. It, the machine, the devices are so powerful. You can even hook these things up to an, an HD TV pretty much and have a wireless controller now. You can play all those games. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Hey, Mike, so uh, we've talked a lot about uh, iPhone development and, and uh, stuff like that and retro games. What kind of stuff, and, and you know, obviously you're not going to be able to talk about everything, but what kind of stuff are you working on these days that really excites you? It's uh, it's really coming down to these new consoles right now are are pretty exciting. It's not because it's a new round of consoles. It's it's kind of console plus all the other devices. The ecosystem is exciting to me. The fact that we can deploy a game now on all these devices and have them all communicate with one another, um, that's kind of blowing my mind right now. We're, we're coming up with all these ideas and working on a couple of projects right now that requires well, it doesn't really require, but it just the, the the experience is so much better if you have a tablet plus a console or uh, your phone plus a console or phone plus tablet. And um, the, the design approach that we're taking now to create like experiences that span these devices, and not just to have the same experience on each device, but to one-up the experience every time you add a device to it is, is pretty exciting. Now, what about that scary game you talked about using blocks <laughs> earlier? Is that something yep. that's, we're gonna, that's gonna see the light of day eventually? I think so. We were just experimenting with this, and it's actually part of a, a bigger plan we had, and we've had some pretty positive response to it. So I think it's going to turn into a full product. And in fact, if it's starting to look like it's going to, I should probably get back together with you guys and deliver a build to you so you can tell me if we succeeded. Oh, oh that'd be God. awesome. You're, you know, you're always, I think you just ascended to becoming our favorite guest <laughs> on the podcast. Maybe I cannot believe. Yeah, I, I, I might be out after today. You guys can say, welcome back to Robotron Love Hour. <laughs> yeah, we were, we were kind of phasing him out there for a little bit. You know, that, that does <laughs> that does uh, bring up a very good point is that we have to have Eugene Jarvis on this thing. Maybe we get a roundtable going with you and Eugene, man. How would, how would you like that? Uh, that would be awesome. That guy rocks. We would have it, to clean it, up it the blows basement. My mind. He's a legend. And, you know, he is. And if you look at Robotron, it's kind of like the Bible for design. It, it's His approach to Robotron and what it is is almost like a, a good like go-to of 10 most important things you need to do when you start a new design. Yeah. The fact that you can go to the game and if you're really good, you can get to the highest levels in just a matter of minutes. So you don't feel like you're just slogging through the same old, same old every time you play it. It just scales perfectly. It's, it's really a, good. It's incredible. I, I play that thing on my on, X, on my 360 all the time on, on Xbox Live Arcade. 
it, you know, it's one of those games that, oh man, this could be the Robotron show, but he, uh, he built the thing and he plays it every day. And I'm sure he still does. He's played why don't we, why don't it we since the 80s pick, every day. Let's pick, a, yes. let's pick one podcast coming up. Make it the Robotron show. We'll have Mike back. We'll get Eugene on. The kids just don't know, man. They don't play. <laughs> they just don't appreciate how cool this Crazy game is. old man Lucas. Because it's not on the Vita. I think everything will change if it's on the Vita and then if it's on the iPhone with uh, like so, a, an authentic Robotron on the iPhone with dual sticks. The, the Vita is not going to give Robotron 2084 its renaissance that you want it to have. I Come know. on, my friend. Though. I know. R- realistic. So uh, you work at Other Ocean. Is uh, Other Ocean is still a part of Foundation 9, right? No, we are. It used to be. This is kind of confusing. Because yeah, what's what's first, going on with all of that now? The first iteration of Other Ocean was actually uh, our backbone studio in Prince Edward Island. Okay. And when Andrew Ayer, the original president of Foundation Nine and uh, Digital Clips and all that, um, left Foundation Nine, uh, he took with him that studio from Backbone. Okay. So that's where the confusion usually sets in. It, it became Other Ocean when Andrew took it. Okay. And then I came on board a year after that, or so, a year or two after that, and then. Um, yeah, we've been other ocean independent since, but we have we, we love the Foundation Nine guys and we keep in touch with those quite a bit. I'm so excited for Killer Instinct. I know actually, that's what I wanted one. to bring up because it's, it's it seems like they're having a bit of a renaissance. You know, they're they're actually they are they're that, that game is what they were born to make. <laughs> I know seriously the the credibility and the talent and the uh, yeah, they've they've and the thing that people don't really recognize about that studio and you obviously know this because you've got so many friends over there is that they've built so many games in so short a time period you know they just ship like some kind of new licensed product year after year it doesn't really give them too much credibility to ship you know licensed games that don't rate too high on metacritic but it's hard to make a game and they keep doing new ones all the time and multiple SKUs as well that's uh, i wish people would talk about that more often because it's really hard to make any game yeah and when you're a studio like that and we've had to do this for licensed products all the time there's always joke that like working on a licensed game is like you know being a stripper to put your kid through college yeah it's like this thing where like you don't necessarily want to make licensed games but you can do whatever you want within that space and you can hone your skills and build your technology when you do that yeah but it's a thankless job because uh the fact that you can do a game in six to eight months that would normally take three years and get that out there is, is a huge achievement, but you'll never get recognized for that. And then you also get pigeonholed for that. So everybody wants you to keep doing that because the guys who are working on the new things, like you know the next Halo or whatever, um, they're they're going to spend the three to five years on that, and you you won't ever get that chance to elevate out of that. No. And when you do, sometimes it's like they want you to make this new IP or whatever for the same price and same time you would normally make an uh, something that you yeah. would actually borrow concepts from like when you're working on an IP that's established you don't have to create all that new stuff you don't have to create a world you don't have to do all this stuff so when you're given the same time and money to create an entirely new world and new experience you're gonna probably mess that up and yet that's and, the stuff that we miss as well too like this yep. year we, we have a you know an Iron Man movie and a Superman movie we want those games but and they're but they're not there and we miss them as video game fans we want them but the the industry we don't want the shitty ones. We want great ones. <laughs> yeah. We want Arkham Asylum quality, awesome superhero licensed games. And does Disney Infinity kind of mess that up? Because why right. would why would you create a, a standalone Iron Man game when now Disney Infinity can put Iron Man in the playset and stuff mm, in there or have something similar for? Um, that is an amazing game too, isn't it? Just the the concept. Awesome. I mean, it's it's fun as hell, and they've done a really good job with like all these little pieces and, and worlds. But just the idea that it's almost a console independent thing. It's almost like Rock Band in a way. 
You know? It is, and I can't believe I got suckered into it. I, I was like, I'm not going to do it. But I have two kids, right? So yeah. I brought this thing home, and my son, since last night, has been going crazy on the, the toy box mode. He's only six, but he's managed to figure out the entire interface to place things and connect everything together. And he's created this enormous world with racetracks all in it and castles. And the castles aren't just the ones that are pre-made. He's like used the little blocks and did like a Minecraft approach That's <laughs> to building a giant castle. I can't even do that with the interface, but it's just perfect for, for kids in particular and I'm blown away by the scale and scope it's, it's mind boggling I can't believe Avalanche pulled it off they did a great job and it's it's so approachable I mean seriously like that has got to be one of the craziest concepts ever to sort of say okay take all of these properties mix them drop characters in whenever you want do all of this stuff and I, I almost feel bad for Media Molecule in a way because they kind of it's like they lofted the tennis ball up in the air with Little Big Planet, but they made a game that was successful and has done very well, but will never scale to the size of awareness of a Disney thing, you know? And Oh, yeah. And they also and made it harder to build stuff than, than Disney Infinity has. They've, they've simplified it, I think. Yeah, Disney has really simplified it, and I think the, whether it was luck or they're just geniuses or whatever, it doesn't really matter because they've pulled it off. Yeah. And that intro sequence, when I sat down with the kids and the yeah. family, where they're watching that beginning, and the the idea of the spark, and then you you collect your your it's ideas wonderful. and you build on there is amazing, yeah. and it captured everything that's that's the philosophy of Disney and like the old school Disney, as well as everything about imagination and what you could potentially do with the product. They kind of nailed everything in that first two minutes yep. and you understood exactly what the product was and what you had to do but you're right i mean what's going to stop them from just throwing star wars in there or marvel stuff in there like this could spell the end of them saying well we don't you know we don't need to build standalone titles we'll just throw them into our disney infinity universe it's safer and you know let people just play with those concepts rather than like try to fail at telling a new story with the characters or whatever right it's it's a really interesting new world <laughs> yeah i mean and do you think that if this succeeds which it looks like it will will other like is this you know like every big franchise or, or is this the destiny like for all of it like is, is warner brothers going to do the same thing with a dc type thing at some point do you think it's, it, I think so, but like, look at what Disney has. They have everything that they you, do, right? you care about, right? Yeah. Like, Warner has DC, and they have a lot of great properties, but they're not, they don't have Star Wars plus Marvel plus all the Disney stuff. So <laughs> amazing. it's going to be hard for anybody else to come in and, and try to steal that thunder. That's amazing. Well, I mean, maybe, maybe what that means is that uh, a lot of the licensed work goes to you know, built-in Disney studios, and that leaves yep. companies like yours the opportunity to just come up with new things like blocks that will scare the shit out of you. <laughs> exactly. See, that I'm interested in. <laughs> Scary blocks. <laughs> Look out for it. I, I want to play that game. This <laughs> Disney Infinity stuff can go fuck itself. <laughs> I'm fucking glazing over here. Can we change the subject, please? Well, Mike's as big a fanboy for, you know, these potential things. And, Jesus you know, he's, Christ. He's, got, yeah. he's a dad, too. He, he appreciates all of this stuff. All right. He's a big. He's a, he's be, a. There's three of us here, though. All right. So, what what are you looking forward to most, game wise? As somebody that plays everything and checks out everything, and as a, you know, as a hyper fan like us, what are you most excited about for? You know what? It's really coming down. I can't believe um, I am so excited for it. But Titanfall just looks amazing to me, and uh, I'm not a big like Call of Duty fan, first person shooter fan so much. I play Halo and Gears of War. Yeah. Whatever. Titanfall just looks. If they deliver on everything I've seen, that's the game I want. It's super fun, dude. 
Oh, it looks so good. Yeah, it's super fun. We, we uh, I, you know, obviously you're at E3 too, but the hands-on at E3 was really ridiculous. It, I, I, you know, I was a bit surprised it swept all the awards from the E3 critics thing. I didn't expect it to be the biggest thing there, but it's, it, it, it is absolutely super fun. And who doesn't like giant robots? That's it, and it looks so natural to play. Like everything is just, you're, in your mind you're thinking like, wouldn't it be cool if, and then it just does it. And you're like, wow. It's almost like that's what they should have called their studio. Wouldn't it be cool if? Because that seems like everything they threw in is all the cool stuff you'd think at that moment. And it's like, it just does it. Plus new IP, which is always a good thing to yep. see. What's the most surreal thing that's happened to you in your career? Most surreal thing? Yeah. Oh, wow. That, that's a good question. I've never been asked that. Most, you know, it comes down to a lot of small surreal moments, like working on software where it's I remember one time we were making a really big property game based off of a, a young girl I young girl's IP uh, for for a big company yeah. and um, we're we're having so much trouble getting this approved and and to have happen and our producer at this company kept telling us like oh the main character the main character who's a little girl um, the problem with her is she runs like a girl and like also it was just all these things and I remember also at the same time we were being published by uh we're being published by a, a big hardware manufacturer yeah <sighs> jeez i wish i could talk about all this stuff but <laughs> the the thing is we had to we had to they didn't want to publish the game because they were kind of trying to get out this bigger contract so we we're kind of stuck in the middle so i would get the license holder saying they wanted all this crazy stuff that shouldn't be in there they would have the hardware manufacturer saying like you have to do all these things to try to get us to fail so one of the things would be like we'd have to what would we have to give an error when the device is submerged in water like why would that the only reason that even came up is like oh if they're they can't do that and so we would have we would destroy devices trying to get all this stuff to kind of until we figured out how we can actually put an error code that shows up before it dies that hey i'm in water and all this stuff just so we could get out of this project oh. it actually turned out really good and i I wish I could talk about it, but the project did well. And um, so you were in the middle of a, kind of a cat fight between a license holder and a hardware manufacturer. And these were two titans. And I remember. Oh my god! Going to, I remember going to like uh, the big conference room at one of their places, and uh, we were excused to, to the kids' table after they started to get really heated, and we could just hear them shouting at each other in this other room. Shit. And it wasn't anything about what we were doing. It's yeah. just they were they were done with each other. And uh, so ultimately, the product turned out great because of it, but <laughs> it was so painful. Oh I was on that one for over a year, and it should have been like a six to eight month project. All right. Well, tell me a good thing. A good thing. Yeah, that's surreal. A good um, surreal thing. Well, he already mentioned one earlier. He had Steve Jobs playing his game that's pretty on cool. stage that's pretty at cool. an Apple press cool. conference. Yeah, that's pretty you know, surreal. It's, that's surreal. And then actually trying Oculus Rift for the first time just recently was very surreal to me because you think you know you're in this comfort zone of like I kind of know what's coming up but then when you actually try that it was like it more than just the device just the potential suddenly floods into your mind of what you can do with something like that awesome that was awesome that's two for two weeks of uh, oculus rift mentions yeah I think we're gonna hear a lot more <laughs> oculus rift going forward when yeah. are our units gonna arrive I don't know what man the I think fuck, they're man. only sending out developer pieces right now right you have to be well, who are we we're chop liver well we're not making games but it sounds like other ocean might be making an oculus rift <laughs> game mm, draw whatever <laughs> conclusion yeah, you want Mike, listen, it's been awesome having you on the show. And, yeah. and I wasn't joking earlier. You're always welcome here to talk to Vic about Robotron and Disney <laughs> Infinity to your heart's content. I love you, Mike. I miss you, buddy. Uh, I got to get down. Too, I got to get down to San Francisco. We got to hang out. 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to be up at PAX, too, so if you guys are around there, we should catch up. Oh, and I will send be. you a build of this scary cube game just to get you Yes, ready. please do. And, <laughs> and, and if, if you happen to have some kind of cracked version of Robotron that will play on my Vita, feel free to email that to me. <laughs> you know, there's a way. <laughs> I know there is a way. Thanks, buddy. All right, take care, guys. See you, Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Well, that guy was incredible, wasn't he? Uh, yep. If I ever go down, he can step right in for me. I, I love talking with Mike. Can yeah. you can you tell? There's a kinship there. There's a uh, yeah. You uh, guys you know. were nerding out pretty hard. Yeah, he's a comrade, man. Like I, I I've run into him several times over the years on uh, EP production. You guys are fucking game warriors together. I, well, I I I just love the guy. He's just got a really you know great kind of perspective on all of this stuff, and he's done everything. He's done every job in mm-hmm. games. You know, he you really think he gets swings. It. Pardon me. You think he swings? He might swing, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I, that's something I forgot have to, to ask, ask him. him. Yeah. yeah, next time I'll we talk him. to him. Yeah, we'll have him on again. You know, we 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 need to start having regular guests on the show, like people who are recurring people. Yeah, who we can, you know, we can say, hey, the two DS is out. Let's call up Mike and see what he. I nominate about. Mike, Micah. Yeah, I would like to have Mike back. He rocks. He does rock, and so do you, my friend. I'm glad you have fun in Toronto. I'm, I I don't mean to make fun of you. It just it did hurt my feelings a little bit. You know, I gotta. I'm an emotional guy. You're a sensitive being. I'm very sensitive. I know. And, and when I found out that I wasn't going to go and stay in the James Cameron suite and fly in his helicopter well, and B- Billy Campbell uh, and, and up all night with st- strippers and I know, everything and, and it, swinging it, with it, Billy. It sucked. I heard from Jose. I heard from Ben. I, you know, yeah, I heard that's from our, Miri. That's our event. From... Every, every year that I've been in Vancouver since I, I moved here and since I joined the show full yeah. time, I've been able to go and it's always been fun. And I know. I, and I get such a jolt from it too because I see all the Toronto people and they're so passionate. And last year there was a guy who dressed up as me in cosplay, and it was fun. And then this year I'm not even there. I know, brother. Vancouver Fan Expo's coming, and we'll, bef- that we'll one, definitely. I don't want to go to that one. We'll I'm, definitely I'm be back to the. I'm Toronto out of town one. that week. <laughs> well, you definitely back to the for the next one. Right. That's it for this episode of Vic Basement. Thanks hope, for tuning in, everybody. Yeah. I hope you had fun, and uh, we'll do it again soon. Absolutely. Absolutely.